You were never out of the fight. You were created for a time such as this. And you are now preparing to be sent into battle. God is calling you to be his disciple, to be formed in virtue and holiness. He has appointed you as an ambassador of his kingdom. To go and represent him to his people. And he's enlisted you as a soldier of Christ. To be sent out to fight for the good in this world. You were not made to make excuses. time for you to take extreme ownership for your life, for all of your life. It's time to rise up and finally be the man or woman you were created to be. Follow God. Lead others. And never surrender. It is time to begin seeking excellence. My man, Dakota. What's going on, brother? How are you oh, today? Man. Good. Thanks for having me. Great to I, be here. Absolutely, man. This is another one. I feel like this happens to be all the time where it's like I'm trying to coordinate. And like, you know, it goes <laughs> months before we actually Long get to time sit down and record. Um, yeah. And we just reflected earlier that it's a shame that we didn't get together in person. So we'll definitely we'll, we'll have this be a quasi part one <laughs> to <laughs> us before Perfect. we record together in person someday since you're uh, a Denver local. And so are, were you born and raised in Denver? I was, yeah, yeah. I grew up in Denver. I grew up in Lakewood. Uh, went to Mullen High School, and one of the few natives left here. That's right. Yeah, my yeah. wife went to Regis. I don't know if you know. Oh, okay, that, yeah, a little little yeah. rivalry there. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, so she was born and raised in, in Littleton, um, and then went to drove to Aurora every day for high school yeah. to Regis. Yeah, it was like a thirty five minute drive or something yeah, like out that. There. But that's great. So yeah, I would love for you to just kind of give us an overview of who you are, what got you to where you are today. Um, and just a little bit of background on who Dakota Lane is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thanks again for having me. Yeah, so I grew up in Denver. Um, and to just to give, you know, a really succinct version, um, the, the way that I really came to find Jesus was through what I think is the the best way, um, the most difficult way, which is just through intense suffering. Um, growing up, I just had a really kind of tumultuous home life and kind of came from two wild backgrounds. Um, you know, I love my parents, but, you know, broken people and um, so just a lot of, a lot of suffering there. Um, that's really how I came to, to find Jesus was through suffering. Um, and that kind of took me right to the heart of the gospel, um, to the heart of the cross. And that's kind of where it started, it started pretty young for me, like middle school and just kind of really took off from there. Um, Jesus has never really pulled punches with me, he's been very direct in the way that I've related to him and the way he's revealed things to me, which has been, um, awesome. And I kind of have probably needed it, um, and so after high school, I actually went to seminary for two years um, up in Minnesota. So I was studying for Denver and, uh, you know, I walked in. It was pretty funny. I walk into the seminary. It's, it's on a university campus, University of St. Thomas, and they have a seminary there like a dorm. And I walk in and I have a tank top. I have headphones. Um, I have a longboard, a snapback hat with sunglasses. I walk in and one of the seminarians he goes, hey, welcome, man. Um, so I think you're looking for another dorm. This is actually the seminary. <laughs> and I was like, no, dude, I, I know where I'm at. So it was pretty funny. Um, but yeah, so I was in seminary for two years. Amazing experience. Um, after I left seminary, I transferred to Franciscan University in Steubenville. Um, studied theology there and then left Franciscan, came back to Denver and went to the Augustine Institute. Um, we got my master's there. So I, like I tell people, I have a good Catholic resume, got like the three big ones on there. Um, and then from there, kind of started my business afterwards. So, you know, we'll get more into it. But I, I started my fitness journey actually in seminary. Um, I uh, I was the smallest kid in my whole school, my whole life. I was 81 pounds in high school. Um, I wrestled 103s, but I only weighed like 95 pounds. So I never had to worry about cutting or anything. And uh, so, yeah, I was I was extremely small. So I got to seminary and we had a really nice gym there. And I was like, you know what, I'm just going to kind of start working out. And one thing led to another. And anyways, at the end of grad school, that's kind of when I started my business. Um, and now I've been able to work with over 700 people in all 50 states, 21 countries. Um, the most unique would be Antarctica. I have a client, believe it or not, in Antarctica. Wow. Um, and so now I really get to just kind of merge my faith and my fitness into a passion for both. And 
help people just kind of re you know master their wills and take control of their lives and their health and um, be able to serve others through that so that's kind of the the short story of it that's dope man that's crazy yeah i think you know i'm excited to dive into just how impactful you know the change of somebody's physical fitness and their health can be to the overall experience of life, you know, but Absolutely. yeah, first want to talk about your storyboard, man. Talk, I mean, 88 pounds in high school, bro. I was 88 pounds in like fourth grade, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So yeah. So it's crazy to me. Yeah. I was always, I feel like for me, I was always on the, uh, the heftier side, you know, sure. I was never like fat as a kid, but I was definitely like, I never was skinny. I wouldn't say except, except for when I was like three or four, my dad grew up, um, pretty, the family was pretty tight on money, you know? Okay. And so he was hungry a lot. And so he had this like commitment to me never going to bed hungry. And yeah. so like, he well, realized well, I was like, it. yeah, 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 exactly. So when I was about four years old, uh, he was like, you're too skinny. And we're going to start eating. We would eat like a bowl of cereal before bed every night for like the next yeah. like, 12 years. <laughs> 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 which obviously has its downsides, right? And, but um, yeah, like I said, I wasn't really fat, but I, I kind of was yeah. like always on the, the bigger side, of of course. And um, I think when I was in high school, I graduated high school, I want to say at like 185. Okay. At 5'11", you know what I mean? So yeah. I was like, I, I mean, I look back now and I feel like I was skinny then. You know? sure, yeah, you're like, man, you go back to that. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's crazy. I'm like, 185 is pretty pretty light back then. But yeah, yeah dude, I mean, you're, I've seen your pictures. Obviously, we'll, we'll share some of your photos and stuff like that um, as we promote this and, and as we lead up to it. But, I mean, it's, it's absolutely wild. And I had friends of mine who were in high school who were the, you know, smallest kids or the scrawny sure. kids. And they never, like, really believed that there was any hope for change. Mm -hmm. And it was hard for me, you know, because I had never been that skinny and and like made that transition into being uh, fit or getting bigger. Right, but, right. I mean, it's just amazing to me because I've seen you too. I mean, you shared like reels and stuff where it's like, I mean, it was years, right? Like this yeah. wasn't like, this wasn't, you, didn't go, yeah, yeah. you didn't go three months from being yeah. that skinny to being where you are now. So talk to me about like, where did you even begin? Like, obviously if you're that skinny, like you don't know how to back squat probably. Like where do you kind of start yeah. lifting when you're in seminary? Yeah, honestly, I it's, it's really funny looking back because – I knew how to bench press and I knew how to do bicep curls. And so that's what I did every single workout because um, <laughs> I had no idea what to do. Now, thankfully, there was a couple other guys in seminary who were a little bit more experienced. And so they would kind of go with me and, and just kind of show me the ropes a bit. And then honestly, I just would see guys in the gym. Um, St. Thomas had a really good football program and there were some big dudes in there. So I would just go up to guys and be like, hey, that muscle right there, what do you do to, to work that? And so, you know, thankfully... Guys were, you know, generous and were really helpful for me. And, you know, I've, I've remembered that over the years. I had a guy yesterday literally in the gym who came up to me and he was like, hey, man, your chest is big. How do you grow? And so, like, those interactions, I love those because, um, and we'll get into this, but, you know, kind of to jump to the heart of it. You know, when people come up to me and they ask me, um, you know, how do I do X, Y, or Z? How do I get this or that? What they're really asking me is, and this might sound intense, but what they're really asking is, how can I be happy? That's kind of what they're searching for in these little things. But honestly, for me... Yeah, I was asking people for help, um, and it was just, yeah, it was just a day-by-day -day thing. Honestly, I never, ever thought that I would make anything of it. I never thought I would really get big or anything like that. Like, my ideal goal body, I guess, if you could say, was, you know, that was, I've, I've far surpassed that. But at the time, it was really just day in and day out, just kind of, um, I wanted to do something to make myself better. And, and really what, what it came down to is really early on, I fell in love not with just the pursuit of like my bodily discipline, but what I f fell in love with was really what I would call kind of a school of virtue. Working out for me became really a discipline where I was able to begin to just work out things in my life. And the day-to-day the -day deciding to choose things and to push past certain things to take control of my will um, really became, like I said, a school of virtue um, where I would, you know, learn these things that were, were having tremendous impacts in other areas of my life. So, but yeah, the nitty gritty of it was just asking guys for help um, and then just like learning. I didn't know anything about nutrition, but just little by little, day after day, just kind of um, beginning to see a little bit of results. And then you kind of get addicted to that and kind of go from there. So it's, it's a, it's a slow process. And, you know, that's what's, frustrating in the industry is just because so many things now are marketed for the dollar, not for people's health. And so, you know, people just have unrealistic expectations. They, they look at Instagram or TikTok and they see these guys and, um, you know, they want to have it happen in a few months and it just, it just can't happen that way. Right. 
Yeah, and that's what's crazy, you know, and I think that's so true, and it applies to every area of life, right? Like, people get this, you know, desire, or they, you know, get set on fire for wanting to change or wanting to grow in some way, and it's like you want it to all happen so fast, you know? And it's interesting now, like, even thinking about where you are and how trained you are now in theology from going through seminary, Franciscan, AI, um, like, think of how long that took for you to get to where you are now with, like, your knowledge of those things, you know? Um, And it just... it. It, it's so difficult for us, especially today's world, to have the long view of anything, you know, yeah. to be able to realize, like, uh, you know, the classic quote of, like, we overestimate what we can do in a week and we underestimate what we can do in a year. You know, you Absolutely. can use any type of numbers or range in there, but basically we overestimate what we could do in a short period of time. We yeah. underestimate what could be done in longevity. But I think, you know, there's a lot of goodness in, in what you just shared there. But I want to talk about the uh, asking for help, mm-hmm. bro, because... I mean, I think as men, we get really stubborn with this, but as people, we do. I don't I don't think it's something that we can just say, you know, men are bad at. We might be a little bit worse at it. But, I mean, that was my story when it came to getting to Mount St. Mary's, where I went to college. I did my undergrad, and it was like, I don't know how to be a good Catholic. And I was like, I want to learn how to do this. And I was like, I need, I, I had like four spiritual directors my sophomore year, <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> but it takes humility, right? To ask yeah. people that. So how did, how do you feel like you kind of came up with that? You know, I think that so many people get intimidated by the, uh, the meatheads in the gym or you yeah, know, the bigger course. guys and they don't, I mean, it's hard to even just go, right? Like just the yeah. shame and embarrassment of Definitely. going when you don't know what to do or you're small. Uh, right. Where did you kind of find that humility to be like, yo, will you help me out? Yeah. Yeah, and there definitely can be that intimidation factor. And unfortunately, you know, there are guys who don't want to have to do with helping other people. And that's, but for the most part, you know, all the people that I know, like it's, again, we've been there. So it's like, I've been that person asking somebody else. When somebody asks me, you know, I I, I love doing that. But for yeah, me, honestly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the humility for me kind of just comes in the reality of like, I just want to be, if I'm going to put energy into something, I want to be the best, you know, I don't make the most of that energy. And so I tell people this, you know, when I do consults and stuff, as far as coaching goes, because I, I work with a lot of people. I don't just work with people who don't know what they're doing. I have professional athletes and, and other personal trainers and coaches. And you know, I tell people having a coach or asking somebody for help isn't necessarily for people who just don't know what they're doing. It's simply for people who want to be the best at what they're doing. So Michael Jordan had a coach, Tiger Woods had a coach, not because they obviously were insufficient in their skill, but because they wanted to be the best of the best. They wanted to make the energy that they were putting into it the most useful and the most efficient. So in the same way for me, it's like I could, you know, I could YouTube stuff and I have over the years or I could, you know, look things up. I could try to figure it out. But if there's people who have already been there, done that, and they've kind of already found a quick track, if you will, to do this. Why not just ask them for their expertise? And that goes for any industry. You know, why do we go to a doctor as opposed to going to our neighbor to try to, you know, fix our broken leg? Because they've been trained in how to do this. They're going to, yeah, your neighbor might be able to figure it out eventually, but it's going to take a while. So for me, going to a coach is really, or asking a guy in the gym, you know, having that humility is for me to just say, um, you know, I think there's this false idea of humility. People think it's like this, this meekness or this like, shallow you know shy and really no humility is accepting reality for what it is so for me i was like i'm new to this i don't know what i'm doing in humility i know this guy knows what he's doing better so i'm going to ask him the same thing goes for you know us to god mother Teresa would say you know when we when we know who we are before god neither praise nor scorn can affect us because you know who you are somebody can give you a compliment if it's true great if it's not great, somebody can you know criticize you. If it's true, great. If it's not great, you know who you are. So same same for me, recognizing where I was at, not trying to be better than who I was. And I think that's what's really tough nowadays about social media is it just really gives this false perception of comparison to think that everybody's doing it. Everybody has it made. Everybody's an expert. And it's like, no, that's not the case at all. Even to this day, I still will ask people um, for help for certain things or if I see a guy who I think you know is, is excelling in a certain way beyond me. So for me, it's really about, again, it's not a humility of, you know, oh, I don't know what to do and I'm stupid. It's like, no, I want to be the best at what I'm doing. So I'm going to reach out to somebody else who's done it. Right. I, I never understand why people get so stubborn and hardheaded about that. Yeah. You know, because I, I mean, I've had to do it in basically every, sure. anything that I know, or that I'm good at, right? Like we all do. I think, uh-huh. you know, one thing that was really great there was talking about how, you know, when you go up to the big guy in the gym, like they've been there. But it gets so lost on people that like people weren't born, like you weren't born exactly. where you are now, right? Dude, yeah. 
I always say that's kind of the Bo Jackson and Michael Jordan comparison that we like to make. Like Bo Jackson was one of those like one in a billion people who was just kind of a freak somewhat naturally. And I'm like, we assume that every athlete is Bo Jackson though. Right. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. We just assume like, you you know, you just woke up one day, like you were just your size with your physique. And it's like, no, dude, that like most people can relate to where you are and they can give you tips. They can give you feedback and help you to along this path to where you're trying to go. Yeah. But I, I mean, like, to me, it was just, it broke down. It was really simple as well when it came to asking for help. It's like either I can stay where I'm at and I can try to figure this out on my own. And I probably will either give up because it's too difficult <laughs> or I will just screw it up, you know, yeah. and go in the wrong direction. Or I can just ask somebody who has the life or has the, the goals that I want. But, you know, I, I think what was one thing for you? Because one thing that's difficult in that is, and I often encourage people is I'm like, I want to go to the gym where, where people are big. I want to go to the, <laughs> the church in the parish where people are on fire for their faith. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times it's difficult to find a role model or somebody you can go to in all of those areas, right? So yeah. like, how did you just kind of get into like fitness culture and things like that? Like, did you have any struggles with, um, maybe it was vanity, maybe it was uh, struggling with lust within that. Maybe it was, you know, finding role models or hanging out with people you might work out with that don't share your values. Like, was there mm-hmm. any issue with that? In your yeah, that's a great question. And uh, yeah, this is the part of the fitness industry that, um, that I've really just found a passion for because the fitness industry, man, it is, it is a dark world. Um, mm-hmm. but like the silver lining that I try to take from it is like, you know, is it full of lust? Is it full of a lot of egos, a lot of self-serving using, you know, your body for, to get other people? Yes, absolutely. But what is the fundamental desire in that? The fundamental desire is I want to be better. And that's a really great desire to start with. So, you know, back in the day, um, even now it happens, you know, talking to guys and they kind of see the way that I look and they expect me to act a certain way Mm -hmm. or they'll say something about a girl in the gym. They kind of expect me to respond a certain way and I respond very different than what they were expecting. It takes them off guard. Um, And for me, you know, I love that. And and I would get criticized early on. with my own kind of journey into this after Franciscan getting into bodybuilding, posting pictures and stuff. And I think there's a fine line. It's not for everybody, but for me, um, who else is in the gym evangelizing? Like these people are in a, are in a really dark hole and they need it just as much as other people. Like working in your parish, doing programs, that's phenomenal. But a lot of those people, like people in the gym, they're not going to walk into your church doors. So like who is bringing the gospel to those people? And that's really where I found a passion and some of these people, they're the most like just down to earth, real people that I've met. Um, there's like, you know, people can feel like the fitness industry is very judgmental and it can be. But a lot of times, like, again, a, a lot of these people in the gym, they're in there because of depression. They're in there because of a breakup. They're in there because of a drug addiction. You know, in fact, there was this kid that I had met years ago, who came up to me and just started talking to him, told me his whole story about drug addiction. He was 19 years old. Um, and he was like, you know, the gym literally saved my life. Um, and for a lot of people it is. And of course, do we want that to be God at some point? Yeah, but you got to start somewhere. And so, um, you know, that's kind of to speak to other people. There certainly is brokenness. Um, but those people need, they need the truth just as much as anybody, but for myself too, um, like I said in the beginning, when it kind of became a school of virtue, there's absolutely that temptation, that struggle to vanity, to want to to use the the body that you have to, to get attention and things like that. And for me, I think as Catholics, it's very easy to see kind of extremes and to throw the good out with it. Um, and we know virtue lies in the middle of two extremes. So what I see a lot of times is at the, at the cost of or at the risk of being vain and of being self-absorbed, people are like, you can't enter the fitness space. You can't work out intensely. Yeah. Like you can do a rosary workout, throw in some push-ups and call that good. But like to actually get into like a bodybuilding workout and blah, 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 like that's too much. And it's like, wait a second, virtues in the middle. Let's, what if you were able to do fitness excellently, but also involve your faith excellently? And so for me, has fitness helped my, um, my own struggles with lust? Absolutely. Because in fitness and nutrition, what are you doing is you're taking control of your will. You're taking control of your appetites. You look at the, you know, the average person in the world, and I think the most lacking characteristic in people is discipline, the ability to choose something or not choose something for the sake of the good. And if we kind of take this, take this to the nth degree, to the, you know, to the perfect thing, 
We're made to love people. What is love? Love is willing the good of another. That That's a big if on the will. It's a choice. You have to be able to choose that. So for me, that's self-mastery when I'm able to force myself to push through an extra rep, to eat the food that might not be appetizing and the pizza sounds better, but I'm going to do it because it's what's good for me. When I choose my will, that self-mastery leads to self-gift in others. So is there struggles for myself in vanity? Absolutely. But is there a lot of beauty that's also been brought about in it? Absolutely. And so that's going to be that way for everything. You could be a successful Catholic entrepreneur and be really wealthy and you could struggle with you know money. So it's there's always going to be things, but I think again, the really important kind of like underlying factor is don't throw out the good for the sake of a possible bad, if that makes sense. Yeah, man. I think that that risk that, that Catholics are often willing to take um, or often not willing to take can apply to so many different things, right? The same thing, not just within fitness and, and being afraid of vanity and lust and all these different things, but also just what you're talking about with being willing to evangelize with some of these people, right? Because I, I, I've talked to so many people. You, I know I have encountered this coming from Franciscan. I talked to Benedictine people who are like this, like all of these, you know, great Catholic universities where it's like, how, like, how can... Like, should we even dare to venture out of the bubble, right? Like, so many right. people are, are committed to this, like, Benedict option where it's like, all of your friends have to go to daily mass or mm-hmm. else you shouldn't spend time with those people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> It's like, dog, you need people like that, right? Yeah. And I feel like I'm constantly preaching at people who are living in two extremes, people who are <laughs> just constantly out there with people who are not good influences in their life. Right. And then you have on the other side, people who are only trying to spend time with people right, who are right. influences in their life. Yeah. And it's like, man, how do you bring people to this, this virtuous middle like you talked about? But I, I, another thing that I just talked about this morning on Instagram Live with the Sioka Center from uh, CUA, talking about the gospel of work, and we're talking about the need for excellence in evangelization, right? Hmm. And I'm like, people don't want to acknowledge that this is real. Yeah. But like the fact that you are built the way that you are, right? And I used to talk about this with working out for myself or like getting your hair cut frequently, right? And dressing nice, like people judge you on that. And their openness to hearing what you have to say when it comes to the gospel or the rest of the way you live your life is going to be, you know, kind of first set with that first impression. Absolutely. And especially, bro, especially when it comes to fitness and men. If you're trying to lead men, I'm like, how often have you seen it? You go to a men's conference or some of these male, you know, Catholic speakers or whatever, and people struggle in different ways. I'm not being fully judgmental, but you know that on a basic level, the basic dude, if you walk up and you're fat and out of shape, Yep. Especially for young guys who are in shape and we care about this and you're a young athlete or soldier yep. or whatever, like it, it's just not appealing. Mm-hmm. And then they're going to talk to you about we're in battle and we're in war and we're right, men and, right, we, right. and it's like, dog, come on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're not fighting nothing. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, you're not yeah. nothing. But, but, the, yeah. but the desire for that third dessert, like that is the whole thing. For sure. That's, yeah. right. That's the only battle you're in. And yeah. so it's like this, there's that need for excellence, you know, to be good at what you do mm-hmm. if you're going to open the door and have people listen to you. Because how powerful is it then when you don't respond, when you're bigger than somebody and that you don't respond to the, the comment about the woman <laughs> in the gym or whatever, like that matters. Right. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean? And yeah. then they, they kind of listen to you more. <clears throat> no, it's true. And I tell people, you know, half the conversations I have with people wouldn't be, I wouldn't have them if I didn't look the way that I do. And I don't, I don't say that in a conceited way at all, but exactly what you said. Um, and I, I really stress it with my priests. I really try to get, cause I work with a lot of priests and I'm like, you have to know that like when people are looking at you, you know, growing up for me, the priest of my parish was fat and he smoked a lot. And that's what I thought a priest was. Um, and it's just not inspiring. So you have to know that when people are looking at you, they will understand a subconscious disconnect if you're trying to lead people into growing into their spirituality. And yeah, maybe you have a really excellent prayer life, but then outside of your prayer life, you can't control your appetite. Same thing with the husband. You know, he might be, be an excellent businessman or have do a daily holy hour, but then he gets home and he's short with his kids. There's a disconnect with the discipline there. So exactly what you said, you know, a lot of these conversations that I have wouldn't happen. And I always joke, my wife always gives me a hard time because people do treat me differently when by how I look. If I go to Chipotle and I have a big coat on, regular portions. If I go to Chipotle with the tank top on, they give me extra chicken. Like <laughs> it's a very simple example, but it's the, the reality that people do treat me differently. And again, not everybody's called to that space, but for me, there's been so much beauty in meeting people in their brokenness because of this similar, you know, because of this mutual respect. And that's kind of the whole thing with athletics, right? Like 
you're there for a common ground and that's what bonds people um, and the same thing in the gym we're all there just to try to be better but as a result of that like you said you know people come up to me and they make a comment and I respond a different way you're that sign of contradiction in the culture so it's really um, for me it's been beautiful to to really kind of meet people in their brokenness and um, and just give them a little more life into what they're looking for despite something shallow and again like I said people come up to me and they might ask me for something very basic but I know that deep down they're looking for something you know more fulfilling than that yeah absolutely you know I just posted to my story today this great uh, post from somebody else there was a quote from Seneca that said we treat the body rigorously so that it will not be disobedient to the mind exactly and that I just recorded a podcast talking about this about coming out of a slump you know um, and, and the slump can be multiple things right it could be in your relationship your relationship with God uh, it could be in your fitness it could be in your work um, and yeah, I was just kind of reflecting on my last few months and coming out of like my most recent kind of slump and downtime. Mm -hmm. And I just, I think about that so often when it comes to fitness and I see people, I was just home recently and it's, you know, we're kind of, we're kind of, I would, obviously we're still in America here in Denver, but I would say generally, I feel like people are more fit here in yeah. Denver than they are yeah. um, in the Northeast, definitely than they are in the South. Yeah. Um, and I've lived, you know, extensively in both of those regions. Um, and I was just kind of back home and I was just seeing, I was just like, man, like, I just don't want to be, uh, a fat lazy dad yeah you know like one thing that like really bothers me is just like general laziness i reflect on you know when i was growing up like one small example that like is it's just like burned in my mind was like if if you were upstairs and somebody like asked you to bring something down and you forgot it was like the end of the world <laughs> totally back up. you know what i'm saying like and yeah. I, I see that still with people today it's like a flight of stairs is like the end of the world and like i oh, have yeah. to like and that's like so common, right? Like these like little things where mm -hmm. I have to like, you know, like remind myself and remind Emily sometimes of like, no, it's okay. Like if you parked far away or if yep, you, know, yep. you left something, like I'm happy to go downstairs and get, like I am sure. very capable of doing that. Sure. You know, yeah. like we're, we're not lazy. Like I, I just said it to a friend of mine the other day, we were at uh, Emily's parents' house at the, at the pool and she like left something like up above, you know what I mean? I'm like, we're not lazy. Like just go back and get it. Like it's, mm -hmm. it's a 25 foot walk. Yeah. You know I mean? Yeah. 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 But we always have this kind of mentality of, yeah. of just kind of like, we're just like turned to laziness. And that's where I feel like people don't understand the value of working out. And you mentioned this too, when you're talking about evangelizing with some of these people is like people, I feel like there's mainly two categories of people in, in the world. Like there's people who are passionate and there's people who are not. Mm -hmm. Right. And we might be passionate about different things, but you can kind of tell, you can feel when somebody's on fire for something. And at least if they're on fire about their fitness, either that they're just starting out or if they're deep into it, there is at least that passion that you can work with. The worst type of people are those who are just like yeah. apathetic towards everything. Yeah. No, without a doubt. Yeah. I mean, I see this all the time. I, I kind of, I like the examples you gave and, um, you know, I had a priest client call me one day and he had lost like 45 pounds, was looking awesome. He wasn't by any means like scrawny, but he called me and he's like, Dakota, he's like, parishioners are hounding me, like asking me if I'm sick, if something's wrong with me, like what is going on? Why am I so like losing so much weight? And, and I was like, Father, you have to understand two things here. Number one, when you better yourself in any aspect, but particularly in your, in your health, you know, because it's so visible, it's going to draw out those insecurities in other people, number one, because they can either look at you and that change and they can say, man, I'm inspired and I want to I want to change myself or in order to make themselves feel better, they can tear you down so that they don't feel bad about their own laziness. Um, the second thing is that especially in America, the excess has become the norm. What I mean by that is if you start to you know watch your food, um, you know, if you start to eat healthier, if you take the stairs when you're, you know, at a hotel instead of the instead of the elevator, people make comments. Oh, he's dieting. Oh, he's you know he, he's health conscious. Anytime I go anywhere with water, they're like, oh, you're a fitness guy. How huh? you drink a lot of water? I'm like, no, I'm a human being. It's like gasoline. How do you live without water? And so I told him, you know, the excess has become the normal. It's not normal to eat in excess every single meal of every single day and not take care of your health. But that's what has become what's normal. So then when you alter from that and you're actually a normal looking human being and you're actually eating how you should be feeling your body, all of a sudden you are abnormal. And because of that, you're on the outside. It should be the other way around. But again, you know, I can't go up to that person and say, you know, should you really be uh, eating that extra helping there? But on the flip side, when I'm out at a barbecue, I can tell you 
four to five times I'm there, if I go to take a cookie, hey, is that on, is that on the meal plan for you? Every single time. But if I were to say, hey, is that on the health conscious goals? Like, is that on, on the diabetes to come menu? It's like, <laughs> no, 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 you can't, you can't say that. That's frowned upon. Yeah, but it's that idea that in America, especially we just we've been conditioned to take the easy way. We want to find the easy, fast way. Yes, and that's what happens with so many of my clients is they come to me with these unrealistic expectations, and they think it's going to happen this way. And so those little things, like you said, just I'm not lazy. I can go get that. That's no problem. Um, you know, those little things add up so much. And you know, I, I've worked with people who have cerebral palsy and they can barely walk, and they're in the gym. And you know, I, I know people who would kill to be able to work out but, but they can't because of illnesses or whatever it may be right. we take so much for granted the gift of our bodies and you know you can see this just in the priority of, of people's lives um if your iphone breaks if you drop your phone and, and your screen shatters like you'll probably be in the phone store this afternoon to get a new phone if not latest by tomorrow if the brakes go out in your car you're gonna be there but we go to the doctor's office and they do a regular health checkup and they're like, hey, man, you really should c consider, you know, making a, an investment into your health. And it's like, maybe when I have more time, maybe when I have more money. And, you know, like you said, I don't want to be a fat dad. It's like some of the best things that I've had, um, like, you know, experiences with clients. Like I had a dad who sent me a message one day just crying because for the first time he was able to go down a slide with his son. And I had a mom who was able to chase her kids around and she wasn't exhausted. Like those things, fitness, it's not just to have cool muscles to show off to people. No, no, no. It's to be the best human you can be. Um, so yeah, to speak to that, you know, the excess has become the norm and it's sad, but um, those little things just come out of your way to, again, to kind of combat this mediocre, you know, this mediocrity of ourselves where we just take the easy way out. Absolutely. Dude, the, the thing about people pulling you down, like, and that can happen so consciously or subconsciously it can happen directly or indirectly yeah. right like and i think about this a lot in the way that people view f food right like i would i would get really frustrated with my family at times when i was in the army and i was training for ranger school or i was training for some of these big events and i'm like you know they'd be like oh you don't eat more you don't eat enough or like you should have more dessert or i feel like you didn't eat. i made her do all this stuff you didn't eat any of it i'm like you're not gonna be there with me <laughs> at 6 30 a.m on monday when i have to go and lead on a five mile run you know what I'm saying? And like, I'm falling out and like how I feel then. And like, it's, it's interesting how both we can often neglect our future selves and how we're going to feel, how we're going to experience ourselves, how we're going to feel when we look at ourselves in the mirror, how we're going to be, feel when we get that conversation from the doctor that says, Hey, you should be more active or you should start eating better. Um, or just the, the impact on your mental health and your self-respect and your self-image that comes from you committing to trying to change and eat better and then just failing at it. Right. And obviously it doesn't need to be a perfection thing, but you know, right. Like if you, if you say, Hey, like I really should start cleaning up or I should start, uh, you know, getting my diet better, exercising more. And then you just stop doing that. Like that has an impact on you and it's going to affect the way that you see yourself. Yeah. But I think another thing that's kind of interesting and I, I have a feeling that you're going to have uh, a strong opinion on this is with that kind of like normalizing of all of this stuff is, is now it's becoming like actually mainstream, right? Like you see oh, yeah. this like obesity movement, this like anti-fat shaming that went, and I think obviously as most things in our progressive world do started with very kind, yep. um, like good intentions of like not the basically like anti-bullying, right? Anti-bullying, which is good, especially for kids who are struggling with their weight, transitioned into now like obesity is healthy yeah what is kind of your view on like how did that happen and <laughs> and what do we what do we what do we normal rational thinking people yeah do about it? yeah no again it, it's exactly that concept that i mentioned of the excess has become the normal taken to the extreme um to the point where and of course you know this in our modern culture it's all about me feeling comfortable with however i am whoever i am whatever i want to be do not impose any of your stuff on me because I want to be comfortable with who I am. And I posted about it a while ago um, because of the whole, you know, it's been, like you said, a big thing with this whole kind of like body positivity and on some of the health magazines that we have like these plus size models. And I'm all for loving yourself and I'm all for being body positive, but we really have to define what it means when we say love ourself because loving myself when you when you look at a you know a plus size model in a nice like bathing suit, okay, that's great. Like you know body positivity. When you do an MRI and you see the fat around somebody's organs that you know is going to lead to an early death in their life, factually, st 
statistically, how are you saying that that's loving yourself? I had a friend of mine, a good friend of mine, he died when he was 27 years old and it could have been 100% avoided and it was from obesity. There's no other way around it. It was from obesity. As a result of that, his family's left mourning, his friends are left mourning, um, and you know, food addictions, things like that, that's, a, that's another realm. But all that being said, it's not loving somebody by telling them that, that when they're abusing their body, that it's good. And you know, it, it's easy to use extreme examples, but I think it's, it's useful because, you know, the analogy here, you, you take a drug addict and, you know, I don't want to compare necessarily like obese people to drug addicts, but let's just say for the analogy, you take a drug addict and you say, hey man, don't shame me. You know, this is my own thing. I'm not hurting anybody else. Like, and if you were to just say, you know what, power to you, man, keep doing heroin and just keep doing it because body positivity and life positivity, it's like, no, nobody thinks that way when it comes to drugs. But for some reason, because it's become so normal to be out of shape and unhealthy, we've just, and, and you're starting to see it with other things in our, in, in our culture, that things that were before would have been seen as abnormal or a mental disorder or things that are just like, what are you talking about? It's like, no, no, this is normal. Not only normal, but we celebrate it. Um, and yeah, it's, it's just sad to me because it looks great on social media when I'm a bigger person who's celebrating how I look, but I see the ramifications of that. When somebody's coming to me and they say, Hey, I just got diagnosed with diabetes. I have two young kids. And my doctor said that if I don't get this in check, like, you know, I, I could be looking at a heart attack within the next five years. You don't see that in the health magazine headlines. What you see is body positivity. And so there's real ramifications to this. Um, and, you know, when you treat your body, like our bodies are made, they're created to be a certain way. So when you treat your body the way that it's not made to be made, it's not going to work properly. And, and you see this, you know, again, with diabetes, with heart attacks, the number one killer in the world, more than cancer, uh, car accidents, alcoholism combined, is still things related to lack of proper exercise and proper nutrition. It is by far astronomically far ahead of everything else when it comes to number one cause of death. Um, and for me, again, if you're loving yourself and there's something that you know is directly opposing to not just your quality of life, but your actual life itself, why, you know, how are we calling that love? So, yeah, I'm passionate about it. And again, I work with every type of individual. I work with a lot of people with severe eating disorders and food addictions, people over 400 pounds. And, you know, you're when you're working with humans, yes, you have to approach it like a human. It's not a black and white thing. But really, you know, it's on my conscience. And I told some of my clients, you know, if, if you die early because I wasn't giving you the truth and telling you that, no, it's not okay to be doing this, that's on my conscience. When your parents are at your funeral, and I know that sounds extreme, but that's the reality. And I've experienced it with my friends. Yeah, dude, absolutely, man. And I think it's just, it's amazing to me as you were talking about that, how we kind of normalized and started celebrating so many things that used to be crazy or wrong or hmm. properly like shamed by society. I think that's kind of like the theme, right? Is we just yeah. removed as a, as a country, as a society, as a culture, like any, any, guilt or shame, right? Any like negative thing, any negative feeling that you might experience as a result of a decision that you made, like we just, we're trying to remove that. And I think that started with, you see it with divorce, you see it with um, the body positivity stuff, you know, we see it in uh, um, all types of like sexual perversion and things like that nowadays, hmm. right? And yeah. it's like, how do we how do we get here right like how do yeah. we correct course and get back to actually yeah. like there's like a proper amount of guilt and i feel like people don't understand that like we like when we've just tried so hard and i think a lot of people struggle with this cuz ultimately you can't silence your heart right like even if you go fully into to evil and committing sin right like you would imagine like even like a hitler at some point like had to have like some like some like tiny sure. bit of of a of a conscious yeah. left right because he's right. still a human being, yeah. and it's like you still have to have that, and and people will just rage against that basically, right? And they yeah. just get angrier and just push even further into whatever they're feeling, whatever they're thinking, whatever their beliefs are, which is super super sad, man. But yeah, so I want to talk about you know you kind of mentioned this earlier, and I think it's got to be really funny for you the the stereotypes, the things that you get oh, as far yeah. as like people judging <laughs> obviously the things that you post, and, and, uh -huh. and I want to talk about that and kind of how you've handled that and how you've experienced that. But uh, yeah, I'm just you know for me, I think we have probably somewhat similar experiences. I always say you know with me being uh, a very tatted 
black dude coming into to mass sometimes a daily mass or whatever yeah like, sometimes people are just shocked you know yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. not a lot of people that look like us will will be there and so it's like sure. it's somewhat understandable but how have you kind of experienced or handled that kind of stereotyping especially considering the fact that you are so like well-trained in theology <laughs> I think that's kind yeah of, i mean again for me balance. like i just i see it as an opportunity to just like break into people's worlds um and again, it's like, I welcome that. Probably one of the weirdest ones, just to give a funny off the hand story. I was walking through this casino one time and uh, I walked by this uh, slot machine and this older Asian lady looks up at me and she says something to me and I, I couldn't understand her. I said, excuse me? And she said, I want to cut your arm off and put it on my wall. And I was like, she said, I want to cut your arm off and put it on my wall. Like, I, totally, I was like, just dumbfounded. I was like, I don't know whether to be like complimented or offended, but wow. yeah, I, I get some really strange things. Um, and again, for me, it's it's an opportunity to just like open up a dialogue with somebody. Um, I had a guy yesterday who came up to me in the gym. He's a bigger dude. I started talking to him. He's, he was also in the army. Um, and, uh, you know, he started asking about steroids. And that's pretty common. A lot of guys will ask me about that because nowadays it's pretty common and you know, it's a big thing. Like, is this guy natural or not? Blah, blah, blah. Um, and for me, it's, it's a really cool opportunity to share with people my own passion for health. Um, and that, you know, that things that seem impossible are actually possible. And so, you know, for me, it's never been worth it to go down that road. Um, but obviously in the fitness industry, it's a very common thing. So I always take it as a compliment, but again, it's just an opportunity to open up to people. Um, and the same thing with, you know, just how I look, people assume that I am a certain way. I, I look kind of like a tool. I have my ears pierced, you know, I wear back hats and stuff like this. And, um, it's like people just kind of assume you're going to be the certain way, but to, you know, to kind of what I mentioned earlier, when people come up to me and they joke with me in a certain way, or they do like that boy banter and it's like, Whoa, that's not cool. Like, you know, that's somebody's daughter that you're talking about that way. Don't talk to her like that. Um, it's kind of like, Whoa, wasn't expecting that. And it really makes them think. So, um, for me, you know, it's having that common ground, which opens up that door that normally wouldn't be there. Because when I worked as a youth minister, I loved it. I really loved working with the kids, but I was seen as the Jesus guy. So there were certain things that they would come to me because I was the Jesus guy, but there were certain things they wouldn't because I was the Jesus guy. Now being the fitness guy, it's just an open book because people are like, oh, you're just a fitness guy. So I'll come to me with certain things and and it's like sort of undercover evangelization, if you will, that, you know, when I'm talking to them, they come to me just kind of as an open book. And it's like, then you're able to speak more into it. So yeah, stereotypes are going to be there for everything, um, whether it's money, whether it's looks, whatever it may be, clothes. Um, but again, it's really how we use the gifts that we've been given and how we interact with people. Um, and again, for me, it, it always comes down to love. Like, how am I able to love this person and help them to love themselves better and Knowing that the, the natural desire to be better in the gym, whatever that may be, um, is good. But, you know, it's a good start, but just redirecting that. And honestly, like I get a lot of it. The most common is probably high school guys. Um, you know, it's always funny. You see those gym memes where it's like, I went to work out to get all the girls. And then you end up just getting all the guys commenting. And that's, that's <laughs> the reality. Like I get way more comments, but it's always like high school guys. And, um, and again, like you said, when they, you know, there's something that they see in that that they look up to and they might make fun of it, but there's something that they see that they look up to. Um, and for me, it's just, it's kind of a privilege to be able to capture their attention in a way that, that other people aren't capturing their attention. Or it's like, Hey, if I can distract their attention from, um, from, you know, the next girl's Instagram for a bit and like have a moment to speak into their lives, like all the more power to me. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I think the quote of the day is I kind of look like a tool. I think that's gonna be. <laughs> it's true. I, there's no way around it. It's true. <laughs> I don't think we've ever had anybody say that before on the podcast. We've had 100, 170 episodes in. That's really funny. I kind of look like a tool. That's great. No, I think that that's so real, man. And I think it gives you insight too into, uh, yeah, just like everybody needs this and we all get stereotyped, I think in our own ways, right? Yeah. And we get that, those different experiences. And so it's cool for you to be able to have that experience of, of being stereotyped and being able to break the mold. I think of yeah. a lot of people's expectations, right. and what they're thinking, because obviously it, it just leads into so many different ways, right? And there's a lot of ways you could go into that of how we judge other people or what we assume about other people because of how they look, how they dress, yeah. whatever it is. Um, and so I think it is something that 
that that and like stereotyping, I think it's so dominated by uh, race baiters and people who just like go extreme with some of that stuff. Oh right? yeah, absolutely. That we never that a lot of us who who might be conservative or Catholic or both uh, might never really take time to reflect on how am I stereotyping other people and assuming. Sure. Oh, absolutely. Because, and we, I mean, we get super judgmental, right? And that's something I've struggled with many times in my yeah. life of just like judging other people and assuming like, oh, because this guy's like this or this girl's like that, like I'm sure they don't practice their faith or they don't do mm-hmm. this or that. But it yeah. also comes down to what you talked about before of we do that stuff and we tear the people down, whether in our mind or with little comments here and there, little jabs or gossip, because we want to make ourselves feel better. But how much easier is it when you are pursuing excellence in your own life, in the gym, in your spiritual life, in your marriage? It's easier to not, right? It's easier yeah. to not, like it's when you're struggling, it's when you're being a fraud, right? Absolutely. It's when you're struggling with different things or sins, you know, that you're sweeping under the rug that it's like, uh, you know, you got to be judgmental and, diff- and and gossip about other people to make yourself feel better. But when you're getting yeah. after it, What's the need for that? What's the point of, yeah. of you know what I mean, tearing other people down? Yeah, no, it's true, and you'll never, you know, this that common quote, you're like you'll never be criticized by somebody less successful than you, or more successful than you. You'll never be criticized by somebody more successful than you because mm. they're not thinking about that. It's always somebody less. But yeah, I mean, in the Catholic world, to be honest, like it can, it it has been my experience that it's one of the most judgmental places, and it's sad because it should be one of the most loving places, but it's so easy. You know, how often do we pull up to a car that has all these bumper stickers on it with, you know, things that we can tell that aren't beliefs that we, you know, um, uh, you know, subscribe to. And we automatically think, oh, this liberal person, this and that, they must believe this and that. It's like, well, that's a that's a human being in there that you're thinking these things about. And it's really easy to do that in the Catholic world. It's very easy to get on our high horse and begin to think like, oh, I'm better than these other people because I do go to mass and I do this and that. And oh, these other people aren't. Um, and we we're, we're falling into exactly kind of what we're, you know, judging other people for. So yeah, it's very easy to do. Um, but yeah, when you're focused on yourself and, and bettering yourself, and again, that's kind of why to go back to the beginning, you know, when I fell in love with fitness was because of that self-progression, that self-discipline, you can't cheat the system. All, like if you see, you know, somebody with a, a good physique, you know, they earned it. They put in the time. There's no way that somebody can't just hand that to you. You can't just get a trust fund for a physique. Like you have to go out and earn that. Um, and for me, I, I just loved that, that there was, you know, it was just me versus myself and nobody else could do it for me, you know, and it was just me and my grind and, um, you know, pushing myself. But again, it's not just for the sake of having big biceps, like big biceps aren't going to make me happy. They're not going to fulfill me. That's not the end all be all. It's, it's the, the kind of the journey along the way that, and the virtue that's built that is really kind of, for me, like the gold within that process. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's so huge. I love what you said there that you can't get a trust fund for a physique. You know, it's really <laughs> cool to see. And I think that, you know, even trust funds, like going going to that going to that realm. I was just watching a, a Dave Ramsey reel today where he was talking about I can't remember the exact number, but it's something like seventy percent of millionaires in America today like inherited zero. Wow. Um and, and I think like there's another like ten percent that inherited somewhere between like fifteen hundred and five thousand, right? Mm-hmm. Like nothing that would make you a millionaire. And I think that that is just again, leads into the judgment that we have, the assumptions of people who are successful, who have done Mm -hmm. things that it's like, you know, oh, they had this shortcut or that. And when you can just like remove those excuses in your life and say, no, I'm going to commit to this. I'm going to commit to this for a decade, right? And see what happens at the end of 10 years. It it, it applies, that discipline, that virtue, that character applies to so many things, right? The same thing with podcasting, right? I see people who start out and they want to get started and it's like, oh, well, nobody's listening or it's not working or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's like, dude, like, I think the average is like 37 or something around there where it's like the average podcast lasts like 37 episodes. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I just, I heard from all these people and that's why I listen to podcasts and why I read books and why I, I you know, enjoy talking with people like you, you were following you on social media because it's like, you see that long journey. And mm-hmm. it's like, I, I listen to Ryan Mickler, who I love, who, who leads the order of man podcast. And he talks all the time. He's like, it was, it was five years before any of this happened. Right. He has yeah. a huge following now, this huge business and company. <clears throat> And he's like, it took five years. He's like, I was hundreds of episodes in before anybody like really cared, you know, and he's like, I had to learn how to do it and start to develop. Yeah. Um, but when you commit to it for the long journey, you're a great example of, I think what can happen. Yeah, no, I feel that I, uh, I mean, I didn't start coaching until I was probably like you mentioned, like five years, probably into my own journey. Um, and at the beginning of it, you know, it's funny cause looking back, I never really intended to make a business. Um, it kind of just happen and people needed help. And so I started going through it, but, um, but yeah, people look at me now 
and they think, man, you just have it made and you just have a successful business and you're helping these people and you look amazing. And it's like, yeah, you, you missed, like you missed the whole first half of the movie, man. Like there was so much that happened beforehand that got me to this point. And, and it's the same thing with our fitness journey, which is equally parallel to our spiritual journey. It's so easy. You know, people have these really high conversions on a retreat. They go to this conference and they're like, man, I am on fire and life is just going to be, I'm going to get rid of that old sin I've been working on and I'm going to do this and that. I'm going to be on fire for my faith. And they get back home and they get slapped a couple of times back, you know, into reality. And it's not as easy as it they thought. And again, that for me is why that, that journey is so beautiful um, because you can't, it doesn't, it's not a quick fix, you know, and clients come to me, if they want to lose 30 pounds, you know, it's not happening within a month. And if it does on somebody else's program, I can guarantee you it's not going to stay around. It's not sustainable. So sustainability in success is not attractive. It is not glamorous and it is not, it does not look well because it's a lot of times the same thing day in and day out, a little bit better each time. Um, and that's really how you get to, to be successful. You know, it's very rare that you have a one-hit wonder or you, an overnight success. Like a lot of times, again, yeah. It's a, and I've had other guys come to me who want to start coaching businesses, <clears throat> and they want to get it started. And it's like that's great, but again, it's just it takes time. There's no way to force it. And again, long-term success is just not attractive in the process because so much of it is just day in and day out. I eat the same thing over, you know, day after day. I go to the gym. I do the same thing a little bit better each time. And put that together over the long period, it's like an investment. You invest $5 into account each month, and it seems pretty boring. Like, why not just keep that money and get a Starbucks? And it's like, yeah, it looks stupid now, month after month, year after year. By the time you're 60, you got over a million. So it's kind of, it's kind of that thing, you know, it's just that American mentality of I, I want something right now. And it just, you know, most good things in life, they just take time. Right. Absolutely. And we need to get back to that traditional, like old school American mentality of mm-hmm. it's up to me, you know, right. I have ownership over this. I can make a difference. I can. Yeah. Really, Self-ownership. Yeah. It's huge. Yeah. I can dictate the the trajectory of my life, but it's awesome, man. Well, dope, dude. Well, I have plenty of things we can talk about for our future part two that we'll do in <laughs> person recorded Inglewood together someday. Um, but bro, thank you so much for joining me today. It was great getting to hear from you. And I think your example, your, your philosophies on life and, uh, yeah, just who you are as a man is, is really important for people to, to get to know and get to see. So thank you for yeah, everything you do that. and for, for joining me today. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me, man. Looking forward to part two. <laughs> awesome. God bless. Well, thank you, uh, everybody for listening today. If this was helpful for you, uh, I highly encourage you to check out Dakota Lane Fitness on Instagram. You can like him on Facebook. We'll have links to his website, dakotalanefitness.com in the show notes. And then we'll be sharing that on social media as well. So check out the great stuff that he's doing. It'll keep you inspired, help you to get your, your lazy ass up to go to the gym a little <laughs> bit more often, which is always a good thing. So Dakota, thank you. And we want to encourage everybody out there to continue to fight hard to be your best. God bless.